So hey, thanks for joining us for this uh, Digging Deeper video. In our message Sunday, we kind of pressed towards um, condemnation and walking away from that and, and the invitation from Jesus to not live in that. But in that, there's also um, a response to conviction. And oftentimes, conviction and condemnation can feel like the same thing. So I wanted to take some time and differentiate those two a little bit. And then I want to briefly touch on how we are supposed to respond. So, condemnation, conviction. I had somebody after, after church, after this message, ask me, so what's the difference between condemnation and conviction? And I feel like there's two approaches to this. One is more of a legal approach. So conviction and condemnation clearly, obviously, are legal terms, right? And one is more of an interior identity approach. So here's what I want to say. From a legal standpoint, think of it this way. I could go before a judge. I could be charged with a crime. I could be found guilty of that crime. And, and the judge can say, you did this thing. You're guilty of this thing. At that point, I am convicted. So let's assume that the verdict is just. So the conviction is the sense that something outside of me that has authority, in this case, a courtroom, a judge, has said, this thing you did was not good. It was a crime. It was bad. And I, as your judge, am saying, yes, you're found guilty. Therefore, you positionally are convicted of this. So at that point, I'm now a convicted criminal. Now, think about it. We've all watched enough uh, courtroom dramas and TV shows and movies that we all know what happens next, right? So you're found guilty in the courtroom, and then they send you away, and, and in the movie, that's where you know everybody erupts with cheers or tears or whatever, and then they bring them back for sentencing. Now, the sentencing that comes is the condemnation. So... The condemnation comes when the judge looks at me and says, you have been rightly convicted, and now I'm sending you to prison for 15 years, 20 years, whatever it is. That's when the condemnation comes. So with that in mind around the legal position, because we have to address that first, I want to go back to the woman caught in adultery that we talked about in our message. Now, I'm going to go straight to the end of verse 10 of chapter 8 of John. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So here's the thing. The, the men around the court, the Pharisees and the people that were trying to trap Jesus with this woman, they didn't condemn her. You know why? Because they had no right to. They are not the judge of others, as much as they would like to be. At least they understood that part well enough in their faith to know that only God can judge sin, to turn around and walk away. Because if they thought somehow in themselves they had the power to judge sin, I don't think they would have set the stones down and walked away. I think they would have carried out the sentence, which is what condemnation is, right? So the conviction was we caught her in the act of adultery. And they wanted Jesus to accept their conviction of him. They wanted him to say, oh, wow, well, you, you, your testimony is enough, you caught her in the very act, so I too will convict her 
as a sinner, as an adulteress. And now let's just talk about sentencing. But here's the problem. Jesus, the only one who has the authority to judge, according to John 16, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit is coming. Jesus as God, the Holy Spirit as God, the Father as God, God three in one. The Holy Spirit is coming to, according to John 16, 8, to judge sin and unrighteousness. These Pharisees didn't have the right to judge. They knew it. But they expected Jesus to side with them in the conviction. Now here's what they didn't expect. This, this line in verse 11, neither do I condemn you. So no one condemned her, neither does he condemn her. So the, the condemnation is Jesus saying, because of what I'm about to do, and this is, this is you know, near the end of Jesus' ministry in life, John 8, what I'm about to do, to take on the punishment, the sentence that comes with conviction, which is the condemnation, the sentence is the condemnation, to take on the punishment, I'm about to do this for you, therefore I will not condemn you. I would rather I be condemned of sin and you be set free by me taking your punishment. So that's all that's happening here with the conviction and the condemnation from a legal standpoint. Now, there's also the idea of condemnation and conviction as identity. So condemnation can also be that sense, that feeling that's in me that says I am wrong and undeserving of mercy. Conviction can be that feeling in me that says I have done wrong. So when I feel convicted, I actually also understand I'm guilty. Now here's the difference. Conviction brings guilt, but condemnation brings shame. When I feel condemned, I actually feel shame. So I am wrong, and I can't make it right. Conviction is, I have done wrong, and now I need this guilt to steer me in the right direction. Another word for guilt is just conscience, right? We've all had that feeling where, how do I know this was wrong? Because something deep inside my conscience said, this isn't right. I shouldn't do this. And so conviction actually spurs me towards movement. Guilt, actually, I, I may have said this before, but in my mind, guilt is the wind that fills the sails of the boat of my life and drives me towards a better shore. Conviction, coming from the Holy Spirit, Jesus again in John 16, when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit and it's going to be better for you that I'm not here so that the Holy Spirit can come and He will lead you into all truth because He will come to judge sin and unrighteousness. Now, judge sin and unrighteousness means to convict me in my spirit of my sin and my unrighteousness so that when I feel guilt, it's like the pebble in the shoe that says i got to clean this out. And so I move in a different direction because of conviction. Condemnation as an identity says, I can't be redeemed. This is just a horrible thing. And, and the, the story I told about my father's life after the military was a feeling of condemnation that he had. A feeling that he had done something wrong that he could never overcome. Well, there's the problem. He's right. He couldn't overcome it. 
but Jesus did. And so I wanted to, to speak into conviction and condemnation so you kind of understand the difference. Because what I don't want is for the Holy Spirit to convict any of us of our wrong behavior, actions, words, thoughts, whatever it may be, the sin in our lives, and to feel condemned over that. So what we have to understand is when the Holy Spirit convicts, He says, you are guilty. And then when the sentencing comes for my sin, He says, I put it on Jesus. So I'm not condemned at that point. Think about the idea that Jesus took on all of that condemnation so that I won't be condemned. Now, a condemned person acts like a condemned person. That's the problem. That's the problem for all of us. When we allow ourselves to let our identity be shaped by condemnation, we will act like a condemned person. And if you, you've, you've ever talked to anybody who's worked in a prison or, or seen shows about prisons, they will all tell you, everybody that works in a prison will tell you, they don't want to be in the pod where the long-term guys are, where the guys who have life are, as in the States, who have been convicted of death. They've been sentenced to death. Nobody wants to be there because those guys don't have any hope, because they believe in their condemnation, and they will do anything to anyone. That's true of us. When conviction hits us, and we let it settle as condemnation, we're capable of anything sinful. That's why it's so important that he said, I do not condemn you. Which brings us to the last point I wanted to make in this. Whether it's conviction or condemnation, the response is the same. We must repent. And that's Jesus saying, now go and sin no more. And so repentance begins with how I think on myself, my actions, my behavior. What do I want in my heart and in my mind? Do I want a relationship with Jesus? Or do I want to... Um, become entangled in what one author called the glittering vices of the world. And so the simple question in repentance is this. As I look at my failings and my sin, the one question I need to ask myself is this. Does this thing serve to strengthen my relationship with Jesus or does it simply serve my flesh? And that's the beginning point of repentance. We think on that. We evaluate. We consider it. And as our desire to feed our relationship with Jesus grows, we begin to make different choices that lead us from that sin. So I hope that's helpful. I want to put this out to you. This is a bold ask, and I know it. But what I'd like for you to do in your groups is just have this discussion. You don't have to get particular, but talk about in terms of your responses something in your life that seems to come back into your heart, into your mind, into your memory that seems to jump up that you've done, that you've had an issue with, you've had a struggle with, and when it comes back, it brings condemnation with it. So what is that thing, and how do you feel about it when those moments come up? You remember whatever it may be, and you immediately think of yourself as condemned. Here's what I want you to do around that question. How do you respond in those moments? What do you do to move from condemnation to conviction? Maybe you don't. Maybe you sit in condemnation for a while until you become numb to it. Maybe it just is one of those things that it's always below the surface. 
Here's why I want you to think about that. Because offendedness and defensiveness oftentimes rise up, not because somebody did something to us, but because in that moment we feel some sense of condemnation and we're trying to prove to ourselves that we're not condemned. When I try to prove to myself that I'm not condemned, I become the kind of person who's going to struggle to live out the fruit of the Spirit, to be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled with others and with myself. So there's, there's a question for you, along with the questions that Pastor James put together. But I want to pray for you and hope you have a great time in your group. Father, I thank you so much that um, we don't have to live with condemnation as a legal state. That yes, we're convicted. We are guilty before you. But the condemnation, the sentencing, has already been resolved and it was taken by your son. So give us freedom in recognizing that we don't have to live as condemned people because that has been paid for, that condemnation has been carried. And Lord, I also ask that you would press into our hearts so that we don't take on an identity of a condemned person, but we live in that identity of a person who can freely accept when we're wrong, accept that conviction that comes from your spirit, and instantly and immediately move towards repentance, towards changing our lives to strengthen our relationship with you. And so, God, I, I pray that we would ask the same question that Paul asked in Romans 7 when we feel convicted. Who can save me from this body of death? And we would answer with the same answer that Paul answered with in Romans 7 when he felt that conviction. Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we put all this before you, ask for special blessings over this hard conversation that potentially could happen in our groups. But know that you've created a space of love for us, space where we have love for each other, space of safety in you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.